Part 6 Kalu, Kalei, oh, Frabjastay. Joshua felt as if he were floating a foot above the ground, felt as if he had grown somehow, not just stronger, but had tapped into a truth about himself he hadn't quite believed. Anything was possible. He studied Gabrielle's face as she studied the cadavers. He was telling her about the cause of death, but hardly knew what he said. His mouth was on autopilot, while his mind cavorted and danced with the angels. He could still feel her chin on his shoulder, the soft press of her cheek against his own. He wanted to close his eyes and relive that memory, to summon again her smell, that intimacy, to write down her words and study them. Gabrielle, tall, beautiful, dangerous Gabrielle, crying and in his arms, needing him, was moving around the table now, trailing her fingers along its silver rim, and he was saying something about how it was a myth that hair, teeth, and nails grew after death. It was simply that the flesh retracted, giving rise to that illusion. What had she said? Noble. Was he? She didn't know his thoughts, but he had always acted with decorum, had always berated himself for a fool, for never taking that step, but, ah, how his wisdom had paid off. This was but the first step. Of course she fooled around with other men. Look at her. But a secret part of her, a small voice, had always told her that he was special. She was leaning down now, studying the cadaver's face intently. He fell silent, giving her the moment she craved, her strange fascination with death. Who was he to judge if, after all, it was that very fascination that had brought her to him, that had roped them together, her illicit late-night visits, their first form of intimacy? Can I touch her? She asked, as she always did. Feeling generous, munificent, wanting to laugh, he nodded. Gabrielle reached out, hesitated, and then traced the line of the cadaver's jaw. For months, he had tried to understand her fascination. She had told him it was philosophical, that seeing cadavers made her feel more alive, and he could understand that, on some level. How could one not feel such powerful feelings when you looked at the dead, and thought of how they once walked, and breathed, and thought, and loved? Still. Gabrielle's fingertips moved to the woman's lips, traced their edge. Still. Sometimes. He studied her face. Coffin Cam had been her idea. A dream, she had said. It had come to her in a dream. To lie in coffins with the dead and observe them as they rotted, buried underground. She had laughed, self-conscious, shy, and he had rushed to admit some of his own sordid dreams to make her feel at ease. She had suggested then how it would be possible to slip a camera inside the coffin before it was sealed, if one was brave enough, daring enough, willing to flout the constraints of society and realize a profit. She's perfect, said Gabrielle, straightening and giving him a smile. Perfect. He shrugged, smiled back. She'll do, right? We need a new body to replace Mary Ellen. He stopped. It came rushing back at him, those hands, that hole, her plan. Her eyes narrowed for a moment as she stared at him. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'd actually forgotten all about it. He scratched the back of his head and laughed weakly. <laughs> Crazy. You won't let me go alone, will you? 
She was watching him intently. He felt his face flush. You won't force me to go down there alone with Simon. With Simon? She nodded. I don't trust him. Not really. I wouldn't want to have to be down there with him alone, in the dark. Will you come? Please. He'd never seen her like this before. Except, perhaps at the very beginning, when she had first persuaded him to allow her into the basement. It was mesmerizing. To see her, this powerful, sexual, delirious woman, needing him, wanting him, depending on him. He was nodding before he realized it. Don't worry. I'll go. I'll be there for you. He hesitated. I always will, felt his face flush again. Gabrielle smiled, canted her head to one side, and reached out to cup his cheek. Sweet, sweet Joshua. I knew I could count on you. The urge to catch her hand and turn it, to kiss her palm, was a fiery imperative. But he froze, hesitated, and she pulled her hand back. After. After their venture below ground, he would make his move. After he had shown her how brave he was, how she could truly depend on him. I have to go, she said, giving the body one last look. I need to head home. Will you arrange things for tomorrow night? Sure. I'll fake some papers in case we get stopped, but you realize that they won't stand up to any real scrutiny. She laughed, silenced him. They won't have to. She stepped around the corner of the table, looked down at him, a mischievous smile on her face that lit a fire in his groin. She leaned down and whispered in his ear, breath hot and tickling the curves there. I'm feeling lucky. Then, with a laugh, she straightened, girlish and delighted at her prank, and spun away, striding toward the front door. Good God, Joshua thought. Hold up, he said. I'm done here. I'll walk you out. He gathered his papers, shoved them into his briefcase, then killed the lights and followed her up the stairs, trying to make out the contours of her calves, admiring the flexion of her ass beneath the taut skirt. He turned off the last of the lights and then locked up as they left the side door and walked around the building toward the front parking lot. A guy was parked out front, sitting on a large motorbike. Joshua and Gabrielle stopped. The guy was large, wearing a black leather jacket and sunglasses. He looked like your typical asshole. Gabrielle stiffened next to him and then relaxed. The guy pulled off his shades. Hey! Gabrielle looked down at Joshua. Come on, let's go. Without the shades, Joshua thought the guy looked like a weak-chinned George Michael. Hey, he said, voice sharper. We need to talk. Gabrielle began to stride across the lot, moving toward her mini. Joshua, stomach tight, hurried to catch up. The guy swung his leg over the motorbike and moved to intercept them. Before he could, Gabrielle swung around and marched right up to him. She was taller than him and got right into his space, looking down at him with an ugly expression of displeasure on her face. The guy stepped back, and his own expression turned ugly. You think that was funny, what you did back at your place? His hands had balled into fists. Joshua looked around. He should grab a weapon, get ready to fight, to protect Gabrielle. Yes, she said. I did think it was funny. You looked like an idiot, and I laughed. I laughed for about two minutes, and then I forgot all about you. The guy opened his mouth, frozen by her anger, the intensity of her stare. Listen, he said, this isn't over. You can't do this to me. Joshua drifted closer, moved out to the side. He should be ready to flank the guy in case things got ugly. 
but he was realizing this wouldn't come to a fight. The guy had lost his momentum, had been upstaged by Gabrielle. Joshua stared at her. He'd never seen her this intense, this cold. She was dominating the man with her sheer presence, leaning over him like a drawn bow, forcing him back. You pathetic little man. If I ever see you again, I will hurt you. She lowered her face until it was thrust into his. She stared into his wide eyes and said very clearly and very slowly, I will tear off your tiny balls with my hands and then kick you in your new vagina before leaving you to bleed out by yourself. Is that clear? The guy's face went pale and he stepped back. Gabrielle straightened and without looking back began to march once more to her mini. Joshua stood frozen, horrified, and then ran after her, shooting the guy nervous looks over his shoulder. The man watched them leave, and then got back on his bike. Watch your back, bitch! You got something coming! His voice was furious, but he gunned his bike and turned it to roar out of the lot, making a lot of noise and leaving a pall of smoke behind him. They reached her mini, and Gabrielle unlocked her door and yanked it open, furious. Joshua hung back, completely unsure of himself, of what to do, stared at her in fascination, saw her take a deep breath, and then turned to face him, a strained smile on her face. I'm sorry you saw that, Josh. Oh, it's no problem. I thought... I thought maybe he was going to do something, or... Him? Gabrielle laughed. <laughs> no, he's a little dog. I'll bark and no bite. He just needed to be put in his place. A few empty words and he's gone. Oh, said Joshua. He thought of her voice, of the look of naked fury on her face as she had stared the man down. I will tear off your tiny balls. Well, do you want to call the cops? Gabrielle's smile softened, and she shook her head in amusement. Oh, Joshua, you are the sweetest. I'll see you tomorrow night at Simon's, okay? She hesitated, as if debating her next course of action and then simply blew him a kiss and climbed into her tiny car, folding herself in behind the wheel before slamming her door closed. Joshua stepped back as she reversed, and then waved at her as she drove away. Troubled, he stood and watched her rear lights recede until she turned left at the corner and disappeared. The parking lot seemed suddenly huge and cold without her presence, and, with a shiver, Joshua pulled his collar up around his neck and hurried toward his car. Crude Sunlight by Phil Tucker The Buffalo State Asylum for the Insane is a grand and terrible building. Abandoned over 40 years ago, its rooms and halls no longer ring with tortured screams. When his younger brother goes missing, Thomas Vercraft comes to Buffalo to find him. Following a trail of black and white photographs and disturbing homemade videos, he tracks Henry down to the doors of the State Asylum. It's the last building his brother entered before he disappeared. Crude Sunlight, available now on Amazon.com.